Episode two. I am Corey eighteen. <laughs> I am here with my co-host Derek Doucette. How are Hello. you today, my friend? I'm good, man. Feeling good. Ready to talk about drums. Yeah, that's Actually, why we're here, man. We're yeah. we're talking drums. Had a had a pretty good uh, rehearsal today, and it was it was good. You know, it's it's kind of. Rough. I don't get to, uh, so I just, since I just started school recently, I don't seem to get a lot of time to practice these days. Only it's, oh, it's exclusively at band practice twice a week. Um, but it's interesting because I haven't really noticed my, my chops diminishing at all. Um, which I, I've been finding interesting. I figured like, oh, I'm only playing twice a week. I'm going to start sucking in no time. And it seems to be like the opposite. I, I like, it's almost as if, like you're working out, I'm going really hard twice a week, but then in between those practice sessions, I'm giving my muscles enough time to relax and and recover from it that the next time we play, it's like I feel ready to go again, which is kind of neat. Yeah, sometimes when you're practicing too much, you uh, overwork your muscles. You never give them time to actually rest, which is a key thing, mm-hmm. you know? Rest creates uh, all that that practice you do. It allows you to actually build the muscle. If you're just constantly working and never resting, then uh, you can end up severely pulling your muscles. So yeah, or just like burning out. Man. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. far so good. I mean, yeah. it would be nice to get a little bit more in, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, oddly, I only have one. Uh, rehearsal a week and that is with johnny no cash and we're at this time doing a lot of writing so there and and with that like it's not as much working as i have to mentally work at my creative uh creativeness around Mm -hmm. the kit um it's on like always trying to come up with new things uh like different ways i can approach parts uh, Johnny is when he comes to us with songs, it's always like, what can we do to make this not be exactly what people expect? You know, mm-hmm. how can we make this different? Uh, especially with our new writing we've been doing, man, we are like trying to get a little more, we're definitely more progressive in what we're doing. Um, I would say it's heavier yet softer and it's just, it really works my creative chops, not necessarily yeah. like my blast beat and double kick. Like it's <clears> nothing <throat> like that, but just being creative. And like, if I want to put a uh, fill in somewhere, it better be creative and really cool or else it's going to get cut. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, no, that's never going to make it to the end. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's been nice. Other than uh, like every other day, though, I've just been home, still out of work because this whole, uh, you know, pandemic going on. So I've gotten to play lots. Of oh, yeah. I and... forgot about that. Yeah. That the pandemic. Thing, 
Yeah, you're in school. <laughs> you still work part time. Like you know, you're doing lots of stuff. I'm I'm trying to like scrape up a day of work here and there when I can, you know. But uh, I'm just I'm just trying to play drums, record, mix as much as possible over here. So you know, better watch nice. out, man. My blasts are coming well, for you. Well, it's interesting then, I guess, because uh, right now we have two different perspectives on the topic of the day, which uh, is going to be uh, practice and warm ups. So, yes, a routine. good segue into that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. So, when you, because uh, you, like you said, you don't have a whole lot of time to practice. You got to wake up early, go to school, you know, you're, you got a lot on your plate. So do you manage to squeeze in like even 20 minutes on a practice pad in a day? Or are you literally <laughs> just doing your rehearsal and that's it right now? Right now it's, it's been rehearsal and that's it. Um, I do have my electric drums hooked up in my house. Now here's the issue with this is that um, again, every now and then I'll sit at it and I'll just kind of wank around a little bit. I'll spend like five minutes, like, you know, doing rudiments and then I'll stop, which is horrible. I'm not getting anything out of it. But my problem is that um, at my rehearsal space, I have my tricks dominators hooked up, my kit and everything like that. And um, but at home on my electric kit, I have my old Tama Speed Cobras, which now that I'm just now that I use my trick pedals, it's just, they don't compare for me. Um, in addition to that, uh, I'm using a homemade bass drum that I made and, uh, it doesn't like the trigger that I'm using. Cause I was using my pedal triggers, which are mounted on my, my trick pedals, which worked perfectly. The, like the kick drum, I have a, my electric kick drum feels great. Whenever it has <clears throat> those pedal triggers, uh, it responds really well. But since those pedals are at our jam spot, I have the speed copers and I'm using my old Roland like hoop mounted trigger and it just is not working well for this. So I can do slow things. It's good for like a little like, you know, rock beats and stuff. But as soon as I start doing any tempo double bass, I get tons of misfires because there's stuff inside the bass drum rattling around and it just, it isn't working. So it's not really that pleasant to play as a drum kit. It's more like a big practice pad kit at this point. Um, Yeah. And I've been meaning to actually make some pedal-mounted triggers just out of smoke gazos uh, and stuff I've got lying around. I just haven't found the time. Um, but yeah, so really, I'm, I'm I'm only practicing at rehearsal, and it's not even necessarily practice. It's it's rehearsal. Uh, so I'm not doing drills. I'm not sitting working on my rudiments like I feel like I should be doing. Um, so yeah. that's a little frustrating. You're playing through your parts and making sure everything's tight, but you know, you're not like pushing your BPMs or anything, working on problem areas or anything like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm not getting the chance to do my endurance runs that I wish I was doing and just sitting and, and doing like rudiments. I love doing that stuff, but right now it's just once I, I I'm still new to school. So I think once I kind of get into the routine, I'll start understanding, you know, when I can sneak practice in here and there and, making a point to actually, you know, hit my stopwatch and just be like, all right, I'm going to do 10 minutes in an actual dedicated, focused, like, practice session. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it once your routine changes, because, like, we were talking before we uh, we started filming here, um, you went from doing nothing to being so busy all the time. 
uh, that you like barely even have time to practice, right? So once you get into the groove of it and you find uh, like a workflow for school, and I'm sure you'll find the time just to sit down. And man, even like 10, 15 minutes a day on the practice pad like makes the world a difference, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing that I'm going to have to do now is going to be focused practice. There's a, there's a big, big difference between just wanking around and, and soloing by yourself uh, and, you know, sitting down with an intention and being like, hey, for the next 10 minutes straight, I'm going to set a metronome at 170 and I'm going to do paradiddles or I'm going to do like, you know, this specific rudiment and I'm going to actually put my mental effort into making sure I'm doing this well. And uh you can actually get a lot out of it. And I think that a lot of people probably started say, like myself included, you know, they sit down at their drums and they just play without actually knowing what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I got into the routine of doing this a long time ago when I wanted to tighten up my, uh, double kicks that I would sit down at, with a metronome, uh, probably around like 170, 180. And I would just put in a loop and just do that solid. I would start out with like uh, eighth notes, one bar of eights, and then a bar of sixteenths, and then keep kind of doubling that until I got up to like 16 bars of sixteenths. And then I'd go up five to 10 BPM, depending on how I was feeling that day. And then mm-hmm. I like once I get up to my peak where I'm, um, it's getting sloppy, and then I would either do it all again or i'd go into actually rehearsing new songs but like doing that and spending like man i would spend sometimes like 45 minutes just doing double kick and one big thing that i was doing as well was i wouldn't just hold down the same hand beat so it wouldn't just be like uh as i'm doing the 16th i would switch my hands because a lot of the times I found that the issue um, was anytime I'd switch my hands and switch like the way that the like the feel of it. Because you can do the sixteenths and you can keep your feet the same, but you just change your hands and you change the the whole feel of a song, right? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I would find that those changes is where my feet would slightly fall off. So. I really tried to work on going through every different kind of beat within that uh, BPM range that I would be doing, like with the snare hits on the beats and then the snare hits on the ands and like doubling up on the hi-hat or like singles on the hi-hats and like just everything like that, like a very laid back beat to like bomb blast. So uh, I thought that was a very crucial thing to my practice uh, at that time. I still, I still do it all the time, but uh, now I, I kind of, I just do a hundred bars at a certain tempo. And then I have it queued up to go up uh, 15 BPM and then a hundred bars of that. And then I will raise both of those up by 10 BPM at a time. So It's kind of like the same same idea, but it is like a progression. So you're doing, say I'm doing like 200 for 100 bars, and then I have it uh, immediately just like ramped up to 
215 for 100 bars and then it's on a loop and so i'll go through that like two times and then i'll put it up to 210 and 225 right yeah it's interesting it's um so whenever you say like i'm assuming that you're using your your daw as a your oh, click because yeah. you're saying because you're saying 100 bars i'm sitting there being like i don't know what 100 bar like how long that is because so i do all of my practice pretty like with a uh I bought a stop, uh, not even a stopwatch, like a kitchen timer, like a little cheap one off of Amazon. It's literally got like yeah. you set your minutes or your seconds and you hit start and you hit stop. That's all it's got. Um, and that has been a huge thing for my practice. Um, specifically, if we're talking double bass, um, yeah, doing those long duration runs for me really made a huge difference. And um, I think one thing that's helping me keep my chops up these days is that, and this is also something I attribute to, uh, you know, making me kind of gain a lot of control over my feet is um in centuries we wrote a song that has uh, a really long double bass run at 150 and it's pretty much like four four um of course it switches to seven a couple times but like you know it's just a pretty much basic like four on the floor beat with my hands and i'm holding 16s at 150 for i don't know three or four minutes straight and um just doing that song over and over at practice and writing it and stuff caused me to really need, like learn to use my ankles and conserve my energy. And um, we also have another song at 140, like the slower tempos for me or like whenever I practice those for long amounts of times, uh, everything else seems to get a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to what you said, we're switching your hands up. Uh, it's definitely a good idea. I agree. Like, that is super important. So if anyone's working on the double bass chops, you know, do more than just lay down a beat with your hands and not move. Like specifically for me, it's always been about testing my balance. So sometimes when I teach lessons, I was teaching a, a lesson and uh, I was telling the guy, okay, like, you know, you're just going to do your feet right now. And as you're sitting there, he was doing it and you know, the slower tempo and he was able to keep a, a double bass pattern going. I'm like, okay, now take your hands and just point your arms around, swing your arms and move them in different directions. And then he did it. And as soon as he started doing that, he couldn't keep the double bass up because it threw his balance up. So yep. one thing I try to do is, um, you know, I mess around with the beats and stuff, but I also try to make a point to hit and use every symbol I have because, you know, I don't know, I'm sure everybody's done this at some point. They'll be playing a double bass beat, no problem. And then they go and they switch to another symbol and all of a sudden their balance is thrown off and they can't keep the double bass up anymore. And um, yeah. I know I was definitely bad for that for the longest time. And I mean, it's still an area that I try to work on, but, you know, doing fills and being able to remain uh, relaxed during those is important because um, you don't want to have your double bass going. And then all of a sudden you go to do a little fill or something and it just falls apart. Well, exactly. And your starts and stops are just as important as how long you can do them as well like if when you if you can play uh at like two, 200 for like 10 minutes like that's great but when you start are you flubbing the first couple kicks and mm -hmm. you know like you really want to make sure those are tight and 
I know in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, if you're playing live, then you're on to the next thing already. Uh, in the studio, you can always quantize, just touch that up. But, you know, you want to have some uh, some kind of integrity, right? So you want to <laughs> make sure you're, you're tight all the way through from the beginning to the end. Um, you know, and I... I just think like working on that, practicing it, like it's a, uh, it's a crucial part of my, uh, I wouldn't say daily routine, but definitely at, at least like two, three times a week. I, I yeah. try to go through that and spend a good hour just focused on my feet and then another hour focused on my hands and trying to get my, my blast up to speed, which has always been an issue for me. My hands suck. I've worked general labor my entire life. My, I, I, I don't want to say it's arthritis, but like, man, my, my hands do not like me and it's always been a struggle. So I try to work on it as much as possible. Yeah. It's interesting. My feet have always been my issues. Um, specifically for mid tempos. It's always been my, my, uh, you know, I've had a hard time with it, and it's always been the one thing that I've been really insecure about. And lately, I've been making huge strides with it. And I've been this is interesting because I was actually like, it was something I noticed today, and I've been practicing it. And I wanted to talk to the guys that practice about it today, but of course, they're all guitar players, so they don't care. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You're the odd one out in that room. <clears throat> yeah. So I've been finding lately, um, a big problem for me is I uh, I started life as a person who played like exclusively heel up. And, um, you know, I try to get these fast tempos by pretty much tensing and like pushing the pedals down really hard and, you know, it just didn't work. And now that I'm trying to get used to my ankles, I realize that my, a lot of the time, my heels, like if you looked at the way I'm playing, especially for mid tempos, like quite often I'm playing heel down now, um, with my heels, like actually touching the footboards. Um, but there's an interesting practice routine that I saw a while ago and I've been trying to do that. Um, you know, in between songs and stuff right now, but eventually, like, once I get a chance to get back into a good practice routine, I'll do this more. Um, so the technique that I, I use sometimes for certain things, I, I think it's kind of um, along the lines of, like, called constant release method, where essentially your first hit of, it's almost like a heel-toe single stroke. So your first hit is your heels being dropped, and your second hit is you pushing your foot forward which in turn raises your heel back up, if that makes yeah. any sense. So yeah, in order to practice that, I've been noticing, so, you know, to say I'll be doing, um, we'll set the, like, the metronome to 150, and I'm just doing eighth notes so with one foot. So it'll be like, pop, 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 pop. But, you know, the first four hits, I'm going to drop my heel and do heel down, and then the next four hits, I'm going to do with heel up and go back and forth between the two and try and keep it nice and consistent. Because if you can do heel up and heel down, then eventually you can alternate between the two and make it really easy to just keep that going. Yeah, um, it's super smooth as well, it seems mm-hmm. like. It's kind of like the push-pull technique with your hands. Mm-hmm. It's also, I, I kind of looked at it, so I don't use swivel, but I always looked at that as kind of like swivel, except I'm just moving the opposite direction. Instead of going side to side, I'm going up and down. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's neat because I haven't seen a lot of people do it. And it's not like oh, I went for that because I liked it. It was just like I learned about this technique and I saw it and I, t- and I tried it. And I'm like, oh, that, like that seems to kind of go hand in hand with the way I already play. So I think it'll be easy to transition into using something like this. Yeah. 
And I'm actually glad that we're uh, we're now on the topic of uh, paddles as well and foot technique because recently I have been trying to work on my double strokes, uh, and not not because my kicks were my my swivel was lacking or anything like that, but just because I want to obtain as many techniques as possible. Uh, and I found that working on my, my doubles with my feet actually tightened up my swivel as well. Uh, right. which was very interesting, but, uh, cause I, I had to focus on my feet more, uh, the double strokes and like, I still got to dial in my, uh, foot blaster triggers, uh, had slight issues with them, but that's because, they do not technically work with my Dominator pedals, uh, but that's a whole other story. I got them all like taped to it and stuff, and yeah, they they work for the most part though. Um, but it's really cool, like being able to just like sit down at my kit and hit like two twenty on the metronome and just start going. And just and, turn it on. <laughs> yeah, because usually, like, no, I, I need to warm up. Uh, I need to get into the, the, the feel, the vibe, to get my, my feet and legs warmed, warmed up into those higher type of tempos uh, to get the swivel going because it takes a lot more energy. But with double strokes, man, I just, like, sat down. I'm just like, okay, here we go. Like, I'm just like, and it's <laughs> like nothing. And I'm like, cool. So uh, I still have a lot, a lot of tightening up to do. And like just the stop and starts are a little sloppy right now mm -hmm. for the most part. And some missed triggers and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, man, I'm getting pretty happy with it. And I'm thinking I might just from now on just switch over to like the Crimson stuff where <laughs> we're doing like three minutes of nonstop uh, a double kick at at like 200 i'm like that'll just be a breeze and i was mm -hmm. playing through some of our, our new stuff that's like the whole back half of the verse the pre-chorus and the entire chorus and the post-chorus is all just straight double kick and i'm like why did i write this <laughs> but, <laughs> and i always say that and i always write it again because i think it sounds badass uh oh, but but I yeah, was doing doing that with double strokes, man. Oh my god. Like it'll be a breeze. So I have I have uh I've mixed feelings on double strokes. So I know there's a big debate in the a lot of drum circles where you know if people like them or not. And um I am not personally a huge fan of them. I find I just I don't know, I feel like single strokes, I always look at them as so badass. <laughs> and um yeah. I was always the same way, man. Always the same way. But yeah. once you like get to a certain point where it's like, like, yeah, I was pushing like 240, 260 with my swivel and everything was feeling tight, but I'm just exerting so much energy and so much focus to get like everything so tight at those tempos that if there's a way that I could just sit back and like not have to physically like put so much effort into it then i might it dude and the way i'm talking right now it definitely sounds like cheating but i don't care <laughs> Just, i don't i don't I care, want it to man. be easier you know um, uh, i think man. that 
I, I did some time working on uh, before I actually hit the Dominators. I was working on double strokes uh, to solve my uh, mid tempo issue, and I was using my my speed cobras. And to be honest, um, I would have still been using this. So the biggest thing I ended up realizing was um, that uh, for me, I, I really enjoyed using double strokes uh, as a means to do triplets, like you know bleed style things, like. Yeah. Um, because there's there's certain patterns where if you hit it one single triplet, all of a sudden you're leading with your left foot, and then it throws everything off. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I had a few parts in some of our songs, like uh, our song "Wings of Death" has a part that goes bit little let the bit little little let the bit little little let the and um, you know that was really hard. And even our new song, it's got like a um, what's the part? It's, uh, it's you're gonna like this part actually. It's a blast, and my feet are going um, oh, sounds badass. <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm pretty excited about <laughs> it. But I had a really hard time playing that because as you're doing those, you're switching what foot's leading. And um for some reason on the dominators, the way I have them set up, uh I can't really get I I can get double strokes, but they're so quiet and like there's no power to them and I hate doing it on them. Um on my speed cobras, for whatever reason, I was able to get them set up so that whenever I did a double stroke. I actually was getting a lot of power. Like I was hitting really hard. Um, but for some reason I came with the dominators. So what I ended up doing is uh, I'm, I actually do a double stroke, not a double stroke, but it's like two hits with my left foot. So it's like, and the last two hits are like with my left foot. So that way the next downbeat, like the next beat one can actually be on my right. And it sounds complicated, but like it's working for me now. Um, See, that's what I always found complicated with double strokes is more those gallopy type parts and trying to keep everything like mentally in check, which is why I never wanted to go that route for like solid, like solid bars and everything like that. I'm cool with, but it just seems like you're doing so much math so quickly when I'm like, why not just like hammer it out on your feet? Like it single strokes just always made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like from a physical standpoint, but now that I'm getting older, I'm like, Oh, maybe double strokes will save my knees and my ankles (laughs) for so I could keep playing another couple of years. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I, I definitely noticed when I was practicing them that my um, I also noticed my single strokes get better, and it's because you are using your ankles for those specific, you know, that specific motion to get the heel stroke, like the the heel toe stroke in there. You have mm-hmm. to actually move your ankle, and um, you know, the more you do that, the better you're just going to get with it. I'm going to burp. <clears throat> nice. <Pardon one>. me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I also um, find, too, you have to be so precise with your eighth notes because you're doing eighth notes with your legs, but then mm-hmm. your feet are doing two beats each when you go down, right? So you, in order to keep your 16ths in line, your eighth notes need to be really on point, which with swivel, it's that's how I kind of think about it is uh, in eighth notes, because when your ankle goes, say like, uh, or your heel goes in um, to the the inside, uh, that's I count that as one, and then it goes out and it does another hit, and then it comes back, and I count that as two, right? Mm-hmm. So you're actually 
It, does that make any sense? Because no, I get it, that. That's kind of the reason I was never really got uh, the swivel because it was hard for me to like keep track of where everything was moving. Yeah, it makes more sense once you dumb it down and the the second beats. It's kind of like when you're only when you're doing like uh like straight singles, traditional singles, if you will, um, and you're really keeping track of your your right leg, your your one that's leading, and then your other one is just your slave that it just follows, right? So yeah. you're making sure your right leg is always like bang on that beat, and your left leg is just following, or vice versa, depending on how you play and what mm-hmm. le- what foot is following. But uh, yeah, so I think of it the same way, but with every other beat. Um, once you get into the swivel... Uh, it, it's really, it's, it's so smooth. Like, I don't know. It's not for everyone and that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's, there's um, like so many different techniques out there to be able to play powerful and fast, um, that I oh, just, totally. yeah, you should so just for the, go um, for whatever's comfortable. I'd be interested to, uh, and see what, to see what you think about like the, uh, the constant release method or the, the heel toe single strokes, because it is a similar idea where. So, for example, the pattern would be, once you get it down, if you want to do a, uh, like a 16th note, like a faster run, you're going to go like right heel, left heel, right toe, left toe, and repeat that pattern. Um, so it sounds complicated, but so it's, it's really he- just... It's heel, heel, toe, toe. Yeah, heel, heel, yeah. toe, toe. And, and you're just kind of bouncing back and forth between the two. So you still have that kind of like, wavy i know <laughs> i'm like waving my hands at the camera when i'm going to use that um you can have kind of like you know a, a waving feel in your feet um i'm imagining similar to how you have it whenever you're using swivel except you're just going up and down um yeah the same idea well, with even doing the double strokes you're still it's just a slightly different motion because with double strokes you're still doing uh, a set of movements you're going heel toe heel toe back and yeah. forth yeah, and with this, you're just kind of splitting them up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're really using the rebound of the pedal when you're using um, double strokes because it's just like a kaka 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 always, mm-hmm. right? So you, it's it's as soon as that pedal's coming back, you're smacking it back against the skin, right? When this, you're allowing the pedal to do its full motion. Um. It's the same thing, except you're just allowing the pedal to come back further. Yeah. Right? That's so. why you definitely get more consistent strokes that way, which is something that I always like. You know, I mean, I trigger, so it really doesn't matter that much, but there's that part of me that just, like, just wants the strokes to be consistent, you know? If I ever have to play exactly. a kit without it, then I'd like at least to be nice and like precise and perfect. Yeah, I'm exactly. also like a big, you know, I'm a big fan of like Thomas Lang and he doesn't trigger, but he's still playing. I mean, he's not really like a death metal guy, but he's, you know, if you've ever, anyone who has ever seen him knows that he's amazing. Uh, and he does oh, do yeah. d- double bass runs over 200. I've seen video and it's like perfect. I've seen videos of him doing paradiddles with his feet over 200 and it was better than like my normal 16th notes. So, <laughs> yeah, Thomas Lang is incredible. And this wouldn't be a drumming podcast if Thomas Lang was not mentioned at some point. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, man, consistency is a big thing. And a lot of guys just like want to go for speed 
Um, and for a while there, because uh, I was using triggers, I was all about consistency in my actual, not my my physical hits, but in making sure that my my sixteenths were tight, as tight mm-hmm. as possible. Um, but my trigger settings would be uh, like I I barely have to hit the actual drum to be able to trigger it right so i'm trying to go back on that now and really uh heavy up my hits you know uh with Mm -hmm. my swivel and even i've been practicing a lot more um like traditional single strokes too to try to get back into that with the mid tempos i've actually been playing a lot of unleashed the archers new album i just put that on and like all that shit is mid tempo as fuck and i've I've never heard them before oh you uh, (laughs) you're not a power metal guy they're uh they're they're great friends of uh of ours when they first toured in canada like um crimson ended up playing with them at the at the reverb which is no longer around and every time they've come around since uh i've either they've either crashed with me which one time was um over two weeks they stayed at my (laughs) house uh and or we end up playing a handful of shows together when they're here and um last time i think lotharo i was playing drums for them and we opened up for them and then crimson was supposed to play anyways i digress their music is fun as shit to play on drums yeah. uh yeah scotty's a pretty hilarious drummer <laughs> a guy that plays um uh double strokes but his fastest songs like 170 i think but oh, interesting. his double strokes i was like i can't even play double strokes that slow like <laughs> no that's interesting because that's exactly yeah. where i was doing it when i was practicing yeah, like, man, I couldn't. I couldn't do them fast at all, but I was doing them at those tempos. Yeah, I'm really you know just I, using the double strokes to reach those higher tempos with a consistency that I'm happy with, without exerting an extreme amount of energy and getting frustrated. And you know, yeah, that's fair. Um, it's interesting because I find my like really fast stuff that I play. I don't like, that's whenever I'm using the least amount of energy, the mid like mid tempo has always just been my like bane. you know, it's a, it's been the most difficult. Cause I always feel like I need to stomp. Um, one thing, and I think you should try this cause I think that uh, you'll find it challenging is, is practice your mid tempo is like, you know, 150, 160, do that heel down. And like, yeah, it is, yeah it's interesting. Cause I, I'm really enjoying it lately because Put your heels down and it's not quite what you think. It's not just like tapping your foot on the ground because you're still like, it's like you're throwing the pedal down still and you're catching it. Um, you know, none of the, the power of your hit comes from you actually forcing the bass drum pedal into the skin. It's like, it's just like dribbling a basketball with your foot. So yeah. um, when you're doing it right, it's like, oh, this is actually pretty easy, but my heels are planted. So you're nice and stable. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, you can do things where like you're keeping your double bass going and you can move around no problem because your heels are on the ground and you're just like, you know, solid. Um, yeah. Well, I will say when I'm going from like eights to triplets, like a run of triplets, I usually am heel down for triplets. Like huh. that, that is one thing that I, 
like depending on the part and depending on how heavy it is, some of the Lotharo stuff when I was playing it, and I'd love to add in tr- like triplet parts to their stuff because I think it just makes it so heavy. Uh, triplets make that, everything heavy. <laughs> with that mellow death style, you go from like a, a solid just like two god do god to those like that that triplet kick feel oh it's amazing and i used to pound the shit out of my kick drums for those just because like i felt it but yeah. uh for the most part when i go to triplets man heels heels are pretty much down for mm. the most part or at least like very like flat flat footed like yeah you know no like i get that. you so not but try not doing it like fully down try planting them and and yeah try it there like Especially uh, on the so on the dominators, this will be easy to describe because both use the same pedal. I'm planting them on pretty much right on the heel block, like right where the hinge is. Yeah. So you know that's where it's moving, and it's almost like the part of my foot that's pushing the pedal down is the middle of my foot, like the arch, not my the ball of my foot or my toes or anything. It's like okay, I'm I'm controlling the pedal from lower my foot, which is interesting. Yeah, the back um, half of your foot, which is yeah, you're usually it's the the front half of your foot which is controlling it, right? Where all the power comes from. Yeah, and it was inter- interesting because it's like the biggest part was just getting that rebound and like pulling your foot back uh, to let that pedal swing all the way back, so that you can just kind of guide it back to the bass drum and throw it in to the skin, so that it, it actually hits hard. Now, a uh, question: When you're doing this, what are your uh, spring tensions and like pedal settings like for that because I know right now because I'm working more on my double strokes my spring tension is cranked and if I were to try something like that I just end up like getting double hits in all over the place mm. so um, what are I, your I've, settings like mine are pretty standard like maybe medium high spring tension like nothing crazy uh, kind of standard footboard height, and uh, my beaters maybe like forty-five degree, maybe a little bit less. Like nothing, like nothing crazy. Um, yeah. I do use heavy beaters. I use like Tama Iron Cobra wooden beaters with beater weights on them. Mm-hmm. So I really want, like, I like feeling that motion. Like whenever yeah. the pedal comes back, I like being able to feel that I've caught the pedal and I'm, I'm guiding it back into where it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely, man. I yeah. I've actually been fucking with my um the the beater position because on the trick uh, beaters that I got from you actually, thank you. Uh, you can uh move it up and down on the shaft. Mm. Um, so i've kind of been picture of the visual that you just did there uh i've been moving it kind of like close to the end uh just so it can have more top weight so i get more of that swing and i can get more maybe more force behind all of my hits Mm -hmm. um and i've been really liking that just having it right at the top because i know usually it's like down maybe like a centimeter or like half an inch or something like that most of the time but yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Um, there, there's so much, especially with trick pedals, that you can change and and morph to make your own. Um, but I was I was always pretty comfortable, like right out of the box settings, for the most part, anyways. Maybe slight tweaks and a relatively high spring tension, anywhere between like three quarters and 
like like almost like maxed like mm-hmm. depending on how f- how fast i'm i'm playing crimson stuff around 200 uh to 215 area that's like where we are um i probably go like three quarters spring tension um but if if i'm trying to like do stuff around 240 260 i definitely max it out and just go to town yeah i used to be like i used to do that and um I don't know what it was. I think it was probably after I, I watched a James Payne video on uh, single stroke ankle motion technique that I, um, cause he suggested using like trying, uh, practicing with the springs off on a pedal. Yeah. No, this doesn't work with direct drive pedals. That's why I, I used my, uh, my speed cobras for that. Cause they've got a quick release for their spring. Um, and you just essentially are playing with the rebound of like the bass drum skin or the practice pad that you're using. And uh, it makes it like if you bury, if you bury the beater at all, it's not going to come back because it's just going to stay against the head because there's no spring. You actually have to really throw the pedal and like, you know, move with the pedal board. So that way uh, you can keep it going. And that was such a frustrating exercise, but it really like gave me an idea of like, oh, this is how this is supposed to feel right now. Um, Yeah. So that was uh, really Dude, sometimes I'll loosen them right off to like nothing, and it's frustrating, but it's good practice, like just mm-hmm. with like no spring tension at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we're um, what are we at here? We got like fifteen minutes, ten minutes left. Why don't we talk about some of our um, our favorite practice exercises? I know we talked about a few earlier. Um, yeah. So what, uh, if you were to sit down and you had 10 minutes on a practice pad for your hands, what is your go-to? Um, usually I'll just put on some music. Uh, I have this like little speaker or I'll wear headphones, uh, just toss on something, usually death metal ish. I've been rediscovering the older shadow of intent records. Uh, the first two. So I'll put that on and literally I'll just play along on my pad um, doing either rudiments or just simple like eighth note, quarter note rolls, um, like stuff that's very slow and then try to build into like just straight 16ths along with the music. Uh, kind of going back and forth. Uh, I'll do like from like right hand for like a full minute and then left hand for a full minute and then both. Um, but like that's kind of my go to quick practice routine. I don't like to put too much thought into it because at the end of the day, you don't want to have to be overthinking or like think putting too much brain power into exactly what you're doing so i like to try to keep it loose make sure that i'm doing everything as tight as possible but not overthinking all of my hits to the point that i need all that brain power to be able to do what i'm doing kind Mm -hmm. of just make it as if it comes like like extremely natural and if something's too fast i'll dial it back i'll i'll dial it back even more than i have to so i'm starting out just like with whole notes maybe you know i'm listening to music 
which can be very inspiring for me. Um, and then maybe after I'm done that, I actually like go play drums or something. Uh, or if it's late at night, I'll, you know, at least that'll, I'll feel like somewhat accomplished going to bed. But, yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of my go-to like quick practice routine. Um, just to kind of like, you know, do, do something to, uh, balance my hands out and, uh, you know, catch up on some music. I don't feel like I listen to enough like music that I love these days. It's more stuff that I'm either learning or, you know, pre-production demos or mixes. And so I like just, uh, listening to some good, good old death metal and, <laughs> uh, you know, trying yeah, to keep that. up with those guys. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, what's your go-to? Cause I know you are much more of a rudiments type of guy than I am. I, I do, uh, <laughs> I do like my rudiments. So yeah. I will do a lot of. I'm a big fan. To be honest, like a lot, my, most of my favorite drummers aren't even metal drummers. Um, I love seeing how a lot of these drummers apply rudiments in different ways, and then trying to figure out a way that I can apply it to to metal. And uh, a big thing for me is um, paradiddles and double paradiddles and paradiddle diddles. Well, there's my phone. Um, so a lot of the time I like, you know, I want to practice those rudiments. I also am always trying to get my left hand caught up to my right hand because it's my weak one. It's not as good at anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so typically I will do something where I'll set my metronome and my stopwatch, always the stopwatch for five minutes or whatever. Um, yeah. Set it at a mid tempo um, and my goal is always be able to have absolute control over every hit. So I, I like doing um, a pattern I'll do is like, uh, I got to tap it out. So, so it'll be like paradiddle, 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 double paradiddle, 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 double paradiddle. So that way it's kind of making me jump back and forth between leading with my right hand and my left hand. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because if you're doing a paradiddle or even like a paradiddle diddle, so you're going like, you know, it's really, you get stuck in the habit of always leading with your right hand and accenting the downbeats with your right. But, um, so for example, I could do a paradiddle with my right hand at like a really high speed, like, you know, 180 or something like that, whatever. And then if I tried to do that with leading with my left hand, I couldn't do it anymore. Which then means that like, if I want to just do continuous paradiddles, I'm, I'm limited by how fast my left hand can go. So I typically base my rudiments off of how fast I can go leading with my left. That makes any sense. And then I'll, I'll yeah. practice at those tempos. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just, and I, and you know, I'll set up my electric kit and I will, you know, do five minutes straight of, of doing something like that. Um, and then I'll also start trying to do the same patterns, but I'll be moving around on my toms, um, and amongst them and, and hitting symbols and, uh, you know, trying to incorporate that into beats. And that's typically my go-to. I don't do really any single stroke practice, um, which I should, because we have a, a new song that we just wrote that has a blast for so long. It's the first, I think it's the first century song that actually has a blast that goes over like several different sections. And it's just like a continuous. Nice. And then once the, once the blast ends, it's a double bass run but my right hand is still playing 16th notes. So my right hand doesn't get a break there. Um, yeah. So you gotta be well in a well-oiled machine for that. Yeah. One. 
Fortunately, it's not a crazy fast blast. It's like uh, it works out to be like 205 beats per minute. So not crazy fast. But the issue there is that I get excited and I start hitting harder than I should be. And then my arms get crampy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah, always it, happens. Um, it's a cool part, though. And uh, whenever I like whenever it's locked in, it's like, yeah, this is great. And the whole thing's in seven, too, of course. Um, it's a cool song. I'm excited for you to hear it. Yeah, I can't wait, man. <laughs> Promoing all your new music on here. <laughs> <laughs> I find, uh, yeah, I'm just lately, because like compared to our, our first album, like, you know, that the last time we wrote a song, like we finished writing that album probably three or four years ago, you know? So now all of our stuff, like we're such different musicians and we're going after different things. And um, it's really exciting to be able to try all this new stuff out. Kind of like what you were saying earlier, too. It's like, you know, you always try to kind of push yourself a little farther each time. Every fill, it's like, oh, I've done something like that before. Now I'm going to try to do something a little different. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, even yeah. with the new the new Crimson record, too, I'm trying to do the same thing. Um, now, like, we're kind of like setting our ways of our style. And like, we seriously wrote this album. Um before your last album came out, our album <laughs> was written. <laughs> and wow. We wrote this in 2016, and parts have changed, but not very much on my end. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to go back through and rearrange stuff and kind of freshen stuff up um, to where I'm at now as a, a drummer. But um, yeah, man, you always got to keep your mind open and creative don't get stuck in this box that you you need to play this beat or you need to do this type of fill or anything like and i have like tried to go over my rudiments and and think go about them in a different way than i have in the past just so i can open up my mind to exploring the kit uh and like strengthening my left hand so that it's not um like absolutely useless uh, mm-hmm. so i think everybody's uh, left hand sucks <laughs> yeah man it's one or the other like and then there's some like prodigies out there that it's just like every, every single limb of mine works perfectly and i can control <laughs> everything with my penis i don't know like guys, <laughs> i don't those get dicks. those guys but yeah seriously um but <laughs> yeah man um and the other thing, like we we talk about um, practicing and routines and stuff, and if anyone is just starting out or is kind of down about their their stuff, what they're doing, and they don't have a whole lot of time, like Derek even said that, uh, like you don't you haven't really practiced or been on the pads or anything like that uh, within what the past two two weeks you've been in school, yeah. Yeah, right? So this isn't stuff that like we always have enough time for, but when you do have time to do it, make sure that you're doing it in a way that benefits your playing the best it can. Right? Yeah. So we we should do an episode on like beginner metal drumming cuz uh I think a lot of the stuff that we talk about too, I mean, we we both been playing for so long. Like I've uh, like I'm almost at 19 years. Am I at 19? No, I'm at like yeah. I'm almost at 19 years of drumming. And uh, so sometimes it's easy to forget, 
you know, I'll explain something that I think is obvious and then forget like, oh, there's people that are brand new that probably don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so maybe we could do or an hopefully, at some point. Like, yeah, hopefully there's people that are brand new to drumming because we need more drummers in this world and <laughs> kids aren't playing blast beats. Uh, we have a serious problem, man. So... Mm-hmm. You know, we got to train them while they're young and train them right. <laughs> and I, dude, there's kids that are 18 now that can blast circles around probably both of us. Oh, um, yeah. That's crazy. So, dude, I hate yeah. talented children. <laughs> uh, they're the worst. So the you the had, worst uh, part had... for me, though, hold on, just to finish that, is those kids who are 18 and blasting at like 280 and everything, they probably will like start playing guitar in a couple years and uh, go to business school. <laughs> yeah, and start making stupid money, but like just give up on blast beats. Like, that's what I hate, man. You know, we need diehard blast beat <laughs> bros. All right. Um, so kind of jumping back to what you said a little earlier, uh, talking about just, you know, pushing creative, like, you know, your creative bounds and, and, and trying out new things. That's kind of something that, um, uh, you know, I, I try to take, do that as well. And, um, so a, a while ago I saw quite a long time ago, I saw a Ted talks. I forget who it was by. It was really interesting because the guy, uh, he was an artist and he, somehow got nerve damage in his hand and it caused his hands to tremor and he couldn't hold it still. And he was like, Oh my God, I can't draw a straight line anymore. I'm like, my career is ruined. I don't know what to do. And he said, his doctor said, well, you know, why don't you just embrace the shake? And the guy was realized like, yeah. And so now whenever he draws, he like does scribble things, but he can still draw like these crazy works of art. Um, but now he's got his own unique style with it. And his whole theory behind the, the TED Talks was um, you need to embrace your constraints, essentially, um, you know, like or embrace your limitations or anything that. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the, the right word. I just had it anyway. Essentially, yeah, if you have a constraint or something that um, impedes you or, or forces you a certain way, you can still go with it. You can still be creative. And and it's interesting because with metal, there's a lot of standard beats. So there's like your your thrashy beats, your specific types of blasts and stuff. But I find if you look at those as your constraints, you can still be creative while adhering to the kind of like general rule of the beat. So like, you know, if, for example, if I'm like, whenever I'm doing a blast beat in a song, if I'm doing a traditional blast beat, cool. But if the next song, there's another spot where I feel like, Oh, like a traditional blast beat should be here. But now how am I going to do that specific blast beat slightly different? So you know, maybe a matter of accenting my bell differently, or maybe doing a different kick pattern underneath it. Um, and, uh, just things like that. And, uh, or maybe I want to do a one footed blast and like click my hi hat or something like that. But, um, I think it's important for people to kind of look at a lot of their playing in that regard, where if they want to push their bounds, every time they're doing a beat, you can still do something that feels like a standard traditional metal beat, but you can spice it up a little bit and make it unique and kind of push your, your, uh, your skill level that way as well. Absolutely, man. And I would say on the reverse side of that, if you're a rock drummer or a country drummer and you want to add some blast beats into the mix, you know, go nuts. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Like that is the shit, man. Like I, I, I can't wait for the day that I get to do a, like traditional blast beat 
and a Johnny No Cash <laughs> Celtic Outlaws tune, you know? Like, I'm adding in some heavy stuff into this new stuff, but n- I haven't felt comfortable enough putting a full-blown blast beat in yet. And that's for me, because I did it one time, uh, and I think it was this past, um, last Monday, um, I have no idea when this is actually going to air, but uh, uh, this this past rehearsal, I did a blast beat, and Johnny was like, oh, I really like that, and I'm like, no, I hated it. I It felt so wrong and dirty, <laughs> like, no, uh, not yet, I'm not ready, but that's, yeah, man. I was just saying that. A friend of mine recently showed me a song. I wish I remembered what it was. It's like an old song from like the 70s. It was like an old rock song. And um, it was like a kind of jammy thing. And then it would break and do a drum solo. And then like a little drum solo, then repeat that whole thing again. And at one point, the drummer actually does a blast beat. And it's not, I mean, you know, he's not like essentially like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do like a normal metal blast beat. But like during his solo, he's doing a kick snare alternating beat at a high tempo, so it sounds like and then he kept going. And it was kind of just more uh, like a display of his chops for the solo, but at the end of the day, like, he did a blast beat <laughs> in a non-metal That's song. That's a blast beat. Who yeah. knows? And it was like... And maybe really that cool. was the first blast beat that ever happened. <laughs> mm. I feel like, I forget, there is uh, I read something, there is like, it can be traced, the first blast beat can be traced somewhere. We should do a whole episode on blasting dude it's gonna it's gonna happen yeah, yeah. definitely the 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 blastathon episode <laughs> <laughs> i don't know all oh, right man. man well uh you got any more uh, final thoughts before we pack it in for the night um final thoughts for anybody listening to this if you're not practicing right now then go practice all right. This whole episode is should is all about practicing. I've been mentally practicing this whole time. So yeah. I think that's pretty good. Um wiggling my feet also, around. That's one thing we didn't touch on quite as much is the mental practice that goes into it. The physical is is big, but drumming is a huge mental um exercise so mm-hmm. um i'm sure we'll, we're going to talk about that more later but uh, Maybe we'll do a so, part two of this episode yeah <laughs> next week uh-huh. we'll, we, well, we'll get into some more specific practice routines and yeah um, but and don't like forget that. to don't forget to practice your 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 muscles and your brain muscle you know hmm Thank you for listening to the We're Talking Drums podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, then please share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at We're Talking Drums as well as Facebook. And if you have any comments, don't hesitate to hit us up. Our email is we're talking drums at gmail.com. Please let us know. Tag us in any post, and who knows, maybe we'll respond. All right, take care, and catch you next time. All right, thank you for listening to the We're Talking Drums podcast. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, share with your friends.